What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the 4A podcast. Past couple episodes, you guys have heard the big offseason breakdowns. Like a lot of the big free agents are off the board. But looking forward to 2023, there's some guys you should know about. How are we doing today, boys? Doing pretty good. Aiden, how are we doing? I'm doing good. I'm ready to share my players that we should look out for. So obviously there's breakouts, there's rookies that you need to know for, there's also regressions, or sometimes just a guy you need to know a little bit more about going into a season. Last year, there was huge breakout seasons. Obviously, everyone knew about Aaron Judge, but did anyone really think he was going to do that? I don't know, but I don't think any of the players we're talking about today are going to have a Judgian-esque season, but we're going to kick it off with our rookies. Tom, can you start us off? Uh, yep, I went with Jordan Walker. Um I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that Jordan Walker will be called to the pros sooner rather than later. Uh, according to Baseball America, this guy was hitting balls as hard as 116 miles an hour. Um, that threshold has only been reached by 17 players in the major leagues. So this guy, according to my analysis, um, he's strong. He's strong. Yeah. Um, you know, it does. It doesn't. It's pretty simple. Um, this guy has hitting tools that we haven't seen from prospects in a long time. Uh, batted 306 in AA last season with 19 home runs. This guy's 6'5", 240. Um, Gatorade player of the year for his high school team before he got drafted. Um, he's just, a, he looks like an all-around player. Uh, I know his fielding is obviously not as good as his power, but the biggest aspect of Jordan Walker is his power grade. Um, he's going to be a power hitter. And it is a little strange to see that he's only hit 19 home runs in the minors, but he's been jumping up and down teams in the minors. So I think once he gets to that major league level, we'll start seeing more of that power. Interesting. So do you, where do you have him slotting in on the Cardinals this year? It's going to be tough. I, I know he can play left field, but you have three third basemen now who are good at playing third base. I think it's either DH or, or a left fielder. All right. So, what do you think we're looking at in 2023 for Jordan Walker? Are we looking at like a 30 home run season? What's your like big, like what's your projection on him? I'm hoping, I'm hoping he can get, he can get the call to the pros before maybe a couple months, like a month before the all-star break. So he has time to show that he's actually talented. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he hit more of like a low average high home run rate. Um, but in the minors, he's shown that he can hit pitching at an elite contact level too. I mean, he batting over 300 and, uh, four seasons, I think. So he's he's doing well on both sides. I think I think going for like a twenty home run, twenty five home run season would not be surprising for me if he gets called up. And how are his like how is his strikeout rate in the minor leagues? Um, it's not as bad as most power hitters. Um, when he got drafted, his his power uh, on the twenty eighty scale was a sixty. Um, and his hits his hit was a forty five. I think that's gone up significantly since since they got sorry since they drafted him. They've developed him into an all-around hitter. Um, I can't really say he's even just a power hitter anymore. He's also hitting for contact. He's got a slugging percentage, uh, I think, like 530. He's he's hitting baseballs hard, and he's also getting on base. So he, he, I, I'm, I'm excited to see him. And then, Aiden, you had a very high-heralded prospect. Yeah, I went kind of more of um, the bigger name. I went with Corbin Carroll, uh, one of the top prospects in MLB, uh, number one for the Diamondbacks. Um. Last year when he came up, I mean, he looked impressive. Like, you can already see it. And I think that just this year he would just continue that upward climb. Uh, last year he batted um, 260 with 17 extra base hits. Um, it, it does – there is, I should say, the Diamondbacks do have a very crowded outfield. 
Um, but I think he'll definitely early on make a name for himself, and especially in spring training, that he will be one of those every down, like every you know day players. You know, obviously get some rest, but I mean, he's a good fielder. He has uh, speed. I mean, that's that's one of the main things that he had. I think he had a seventy grade speed. Um, he can hit the ball well. And like I said, 17 extra base hits in 32 games is impressive. So, I mean, if he can just like, you know, keep that going, um, um he, he's talented and he'll be exciting to watch. Uh, what, what are we looking in a power tool? Is that present or are we more so looking at a contact speed type player? Um, more of a, um, contact speed, but he has the tools to be powerful. So he's more, you know, like, I, I don't want to say a Trey Turner type, um, but almost like if you stuck train the outfield he has the you know he can hit home runs um but he also you know has the speed in the fielding too uh how's the arm ah uh, the arm is it's it's 55 um so it's not bad but it's not you know obviously as good as his running or hitting um so and what do you think his stat line looks like at the end of the year for 2023 um, definitely, I think more of a contact. I'm thinking maybe three seventy ish or two seventy ish. Sorry, um, two seventy ish average. Okay. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, maybe about fifteen home runs, fifteen to twenty home runs around that range. Um, with I'd say probably about fifteen twenty stolen bases as well, depending on how often he plays. And is he winning your National League Rookie of the Year? He is, yeah. I, right. I would say so. Early on, without like really like going in depth with all the other guys, I'd have him winning it if if he can get the playing time because it's a credit outfield. Mm. Yeah, you have Jake McCarthy there. Obviously, they acquired Kyle Lewis. They have Cattell Marte if he's not at second base. There's a lot of options there for them. Yeah. So I had Grayson Rodriguez. Obviously, probably one of the more popular players. Um. When the 2022 Orioles, they broke out. They were the best team in the American League East since the middle of May. And down the stretch, it really just felt like they were missing that win day. Like the day where you had that guy on the mound and you were going to win on this day. And that is what Grayson Rodriguez is. Grayson Rodriguez is the type of player that can come up and get Cy Young votes in his first season. He is a Strider-esque pitcher. Except he can pitch better than Spencer Strider, which is kind of dangerous. He features a four-pitch mix. He's a 60 future value grade on fan graphs. For reference, that's also what Spencer Torkelson is. Basically, that means that he's an all-star every year. And if you can get a guy to come up and be an all-star immediately, that is an impact player. Because the Orioles, they desperately need starting pitching right now. Right now, the only acquisition they've made is Kyle Gibson. And that's not enough. If Grayson Rodriguez can come up and be an ace, like he's going to be, he is that guy. His fastball graded 70, slider graded 70, changeup is currently a 70, but it has a ceiling to be an 80. That curveball, also a 60. The cutter, also a 60. And his command's a 40 out of 50. This kid is ridiculous. He's 23 out of Texas, drafted out of high school, and he tore it up through the minor leagues this year. He began the year in A-plus ball. And over 75.2 innings pitched, he had a 262 ERA through A-plus, double-A, and AAA, and he struck out 12.5 batters per nine innings in AAA with a 220 ERA. His best ERA was in AAA. 
that's pretty damn impressive. And he's not walking too many people. He's it's 2.7 walks per nine, which is a little bit high. That is obviously something that can become a lot lower with time and as he matures as a pitcher. So for reference, this is his description. Rodriguez remade his body as a high schooler and came into huge velocity, while Baltimore helped him develop a deep repertoire of plus or better pitches. He is in a tier of his own among the pitching prospects in the minor leagues. So for reference, like why is this guy so good? His fastball gets up to 99 and sitting 99. It gets up all the way to 101. The changeups in the mid 80s, you're looking at a 10 mile per hour drop off. That's why you're looking at that 80 grade via fan graphs. And the spin rate on that fastball is about 2,500 RPMs. That's higher than DeGrom. And DeGrom already has higher than average movement, both vertically and horizontally. And with a team like the Orioles that are run like the Astros, Grayson Rodriguez could have probably the best fastball in baseball. And do you see do you see that kind of um kind of ability coming right into the pros, like in his first couple starts, or do you see him like struggling at first, you know, trying to loosen up a little bit? I think that he's gonna come up and struggle with command issues. I think he's gonna be trying to throw the ball too hard, if anything. Um I mean, hopefully he's just a guy who can come up with a calm composure and keep his cool and be able to sit his 97, 98 and maintain the control. But I could see him struggling a little bit at first, but having one really big game where he develops into the ace he's supposed to be and that continues for the rest of the season. Yeah, and if, if he can handle the pressure the way he's handled jumping up through the minors, I think he'll be just fine. Uh, do you think he starts on opening day? I mean, like a, like an opening day rotation person, or do you think he's going to get called up midseason? So... I'm skeptical that the Orioles will call him up midseason. There's no reason he shouldn't be on the opening day roster. Um, but if the Orioles really want to consider this year a year that they may compete, he has to be on the opening day roster. Do you think if he is on the opening day roster, do you think he's the type of player that can like make a push for an all-star type player, like starting 100%. year one? A hundred percent. I think the only issue he stands is that he also has to deal with Adley Rushman and Gunnar Henderson as yeah. his competition. Well, and who knows? Maybe if they all three do good, maybe yeah. two or three of them get in. Yeah, yeah. I definitely like Fangraphs has Grayson Rodriguez projected at about 119 innings with a 3.84 ERA. Um, I could definitely see that. Uh, I was thinking at first, no, there's no way that ERA is that high, but it kind of makes sense if we have this philosophy of him coming in the first five or six stars and kind of not being great, sitting around a six or seven ERA, and then he settles in. You could definitely see him getting the ERA down time and time again as the season continues on, and he really settles into his role as an ace for that team. Man, I I can definitely see it. I don't know. I, he's I mean, all favorite players should be exciting to watch this coming up season, assuming they make the roster. Yeah. Um. So I I'm excited for Rodriguez. I think the other two rookies are going to be very good as well you'll hear about it later we will have a rookie breakdown for each team like what rookie are you looking out for for each team because everyone has someone these are just the guys that we think you need to know more about going into next season and i think moving on uh we're gonna pick three breakout players uh one each um a player that maybe wasn't so good last season maybe a player that was all right last season but a player that's really ready to make the jump to the next level um and you want to start us off on this one yeah i'll start us off and you were saying somebody who maybe was all right maybe was already good but can make a jump and that's mine i'm going with logan gilbert from seattle he's he had the stuff last year um he kind of fell off a tiny bit 
um, towards the end, not, not really fell off, but his stats didn't, you know, really prove himself um, later on. But he showed those flashes, especially during the month of April. He won Pitcher of the Month, uh, went 3-0 that month with a .4 ERA, only allowing two runs, which is impressive with three starts. Um, striking out 22 in 22 in a third inning. So he basically struck out one every inning. Um, and he had, sorry, four starts. Um, he allowed one run in his first start of the year. Um, and that was really it for that month. Um, so he, last year he went 13 and six with a three, two and 182 innings, which is solid. Um, but this year, personally, I think he'll be top five in Cy Young voting. Um, I'm thinking, you know, um, I, I don't know. I just personally, in my opinion, you know, top five in Cy Young is definitely, um, a possibility and there's a, there's a good chance he could win it too. Obviously there's some, there's some powerhouses, you know, pitchers in there, but. Yeah. Um, I think there, like, there's a lot to be said about the Logan Gilbert breakout and especially how important it was for the, for the Seattle Mariners. I just really worry about his peripherals. Mm-hmm. Um, that 320 ERA was a 411 expected ERA. Yeah. Um, he he didn't really generate that many whiffs. His hard hit rate and his ex, average exit velocity are in the third and fifth percentile, respectively. Yeah. Um, obviously that can easily be corrected. We yeah. saw what can, what happens when he has everything going correct. But I, if I remember correctly, he didn't even get to start in the postseason. No, he had one outing, which I believe he had a five. He, he gave up, you know, five ERA. I think he gave up five runs in that start or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I think you know he he he's a you know he's a candidate for a breakout. Um, he need yeah he you're right he needs to fix some things. But if he can fix some things, uh, he, we have seen he has the assets to be a top five pitcher in the American League. Interesting. I mean, what what do you think? What do you think pushes him above uh, the level that he's playing at this season? Do you think he's going to, you know, add a pitch, you know, focus I mean, on his velocity? Or I mean, he 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 he's young, right? And he's like twenty four, I believe. He he's he's a younger pitcher, so he has you know he has a whole off season to learn. Um, and especially I think um, uh, what's his name? Uh, just the other pitchers in the rotation will you know will push him to be better um but what you know just a whole off season in my opinion with a good staff um you know people around him really i think just push him over the edge i mean honestly this year i'm looking at he winning about 20 games i could see 15 20 i <laughs> um <laughs> With uh, what's it called? I mean, if he let's see, he started how many games last year? Twenty seven. I, I I know wins is not the best, but I'm just just it, winning twenty games with about a two seven two seven five maybe less. Um, hopefully less. Um, yeah. So he's he's twenty four. Um, so he's definitely more the you know the younger pitcher. You know, in the in that rotation. Any questions? <laughs> no, that's everything. I mean, that, that, that you made a good point. I think I think he's going to be someone to someone to look forward to next season. But moving on to another young pitcher in the same division, uh, that's going to be Reed Detmers. Um, I think Reed Detmers is a player's only weakness is consistency and not making it deep into games. I mean, 
obviously there was that one game he made it really deep and that was that was the night he made history <laughs> um but if I, I think i think people think the only success Reed Demers had last season was that no hitter and i feel like people discredit it because there was only like two strikeouts in the game no one really remembered it I, I feel like it's not as remembered as one of the more significant ones but you're forgetting this guy did that at 22 years old i think um but if we rewind to july and august of 2022 um, I think he was showing his true potential. Uh, he gave up 10 runs and 45 and two-thirds innings pitch with a 10.84 Ks per nine. Um, that should explain itself. But um, in the games, this this should explain itself. Okay, ready? In the games that Reed Detmers went six innings pitched or more, he had a 1.86 ERA through 56, sorry, 53 innings pitched with a, with a decent 49 strikeouts. I, I think... This makes sense, obviously. The deeper you go into games, more innings pitched, better for ERA. But I think if Reed Detmers gets through the first rotation of the lineup, the first round of the lineup, he just gets significantly better. It, it's it seems like you you can almost expect how the outing is going to go if you look at the first three batters that Reed Detmers faces. Um, and honestly, if he can address his mental issues at the beginning of the game, I think that's going to impact his ERA, his strikeout rate, everything significantly. So with Reed Detmers, you said that obviously he struggles in the first couple times to the lineup. Do you, what do you see that makes you think he will break out of that issue? Um, what I see is that he's gotten significantly better every year. I mean, the first year he came up, everyone thought he was a bust. And then honestly, we, we just pushed him aside. And then last season he came out and showed that he could be productive. And, and you're also forgetting Reed Detmers is not getting as much light right now. Um, he's the four. He's the four pitcher in this Angels rotation. He's not. He's not in the spotlight. He's not like a, a rookie that's coming up and everyone's like, "You need to do perfect. You need to do great." This is a four pitcher that's already been pushed to the side because he's not as young. So I think. I think with less of a spotlight, I think he can be better. Is if that makes sense? Less no, things to worry does. about, and he can continue to work on his game. Yeah, and like obviously this sounds stupid, but just looking at it, like he definitely does seem like someone who is a lot better against bad hitters. Um, like th his third inning stats are ridiculous. He's got a two sixteen ERA, which pretty good. Um, but obviously you're talking about that split, and then he he regressed a ton in September. Yeah, do you know what that was about? Or, well, I think if you look at September stats, I don't know if he made a start that went over five innings pitched or six innings pitched. He didn't go deep into games, and that's obviously just his problem of not making it through the first or second round of the lineup coming back to get him. It's like, you know, you know, the outcome by the second inning, you know, he, he needs to settle down. And if he can settle down by the time he makes it to the fourth inning, he's on a roll. Most of the runs he gives up are in the first two innings. I think if I, if you want to check that, that's fine. But I think he struggles to that first round of the lineup. Oh, that would make sense. Um, Cause like the team he struggled against the Astros, the guardians and the twins. Like those were his bad September starts. He had a good one against the Mariners, or yeah, good one against the Mariners and a good one against the Rangers. Yeah, and that Rangers game was actually pretty good. And I think I think we forget there was a couple of bats in that Rangers lineup that actually made them a threat. It was their pitching that was that was bad. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was abysmal. Um, but like just look at because you pointed out how he was striking out a ton of players in July and August. He really in the games he struggled. He that's actually interesting to look at. In the games where Reed Detmer struggled, he didn't strike out as many batters. 
So he's someone that needs his stuff to be swing and miss, or he's going to struggle. Obviously, yeah. besides the no hitter. Yeah, that, that that's that's an anomaly in itself because he only struck out two that game. But I think it's interesting. I, I I didn't expect to be so amused by Reed Detmer's like trends and his splits, but I am I'm in, I am interested, and I think it's it's not that big of an adjustment to make. Like he's very close to stardom, in my opinion. Interesting. So you guys have heard of this guy, and I think people are kind of tired of hearing about this guy, Spencer Torkelson. Came up this year and he was horrible. The first overall pick in the 2020 draft out of Arizona State University, a freaking 1.153 OPS in 2019 in college, a 1.378 in the abbreviated 2020, quote, the arguably the best college hitter in the last decade. His bat carries his, his profile entirely and has elite potential. Obviously, if it carries your entire profile and it's not good, your profile's not good. Uh, if what's what's the identitive property? If A equals B and B equals C, A, A equals C. C. Yeah. yeah. So he had a 935 OPS, his first full season in the minors, and he worked all the way up to AAA, where he had an 881 OPS in AAA. So you're like, all right, he's ready for the show. Like this guy is ready. So he comes up, and what does he do? He barrels the ball 15% of the time, which is the 56th percentile. He comes up, and he's in the 78th percentile for average exit velocity. And as you'll hear later, having a high exit velocity and a high hard hit rate as a rookie is very predictive in how good you will actually be throughout your career offensively. He didn't chase too much, 78th percentile. He walked a good amount, 63rd percentile. But what was his issue? He whiffed a ton on pitches down the heart of the plate. You cannot miss the cookies. Like he had a positive run value outside of the zone. He struggled in the heart of the plate and on the edge of the plate, which is, you know, the whole plate, which is not really where you want to be struggling. Um, so he hit fastballs ridiculously well. He had a 350 X Woba because his average exit velocity was a 93. You want to have a 93 mile per hour average exit velocity. But he, his struggle was breaking pitches and off-speed pitches where he whiffed 34.4% of the time. And just for reference, the shift did not have any effect on him. His highest projected, wow, highest projected upside for next season is Austin Riley. Like that is the 100th percentile. And I could see it with someone with that type of batted ball profile where if he gets a proper, if he increases that barrel rate and obviously starts hitting mistake pitches, you could see a profile similar to Austin Riley. His projections are a 324 Woba, which is like a 320 is like a good average one, uh, which is a 113 weighted runs created plus, which I think that is what I would consider to be a breakout. Considering where he was this year, 113 weighted runs created plus would be a breakout for Spencer Torkelson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, go, no, ahead. No, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. That's just a significant increase right there. I mean, it's not like, I think in order for a Spencer Torkelson breakout, it's not going to be like these amazing stats. You don't, in order for a breakout to happen with a player with such abysmal stats last year, it really doesn't take that much. Um, so, I mean, there's nothing else to lose for Spencer Torkelson. So I think maybe without having the worry, it might be better. Similar to Reed Detmers, you know, this guy's already been classified as a bust, pushed aside. No one's really paying attention anymore. So it's probably his time to shine. I think he might be a little more comfortable yeah, I I think that there's a lot of just proving people wrong now. Um, 
or not proving people right, if that makes sense. And honestly, to think to be 13% above average, that's pretty good. That's Dansby Swanson. Like that's Dansby Swanson's career way to run creative plus. Dansby Swanson just signed a seven-year, $177 million contract. If you can get that out of a first overall pick, you've got a correct choice in your pick. And it really seems like the team, like the Tigers, could use someone like that. Do you guys think that the lasting final impression of Miguel Cabrera will influence Spencer Torkelson's development, or do you think it will have no correlation at all? Uh, That's tough. I think... I think being surrounded by someone like Miguel Cabrera and like kind of developing with him would be amazing for him. But it seems like last season that didn't do much for him. I don't know if it's going to make a difference this season rather than last. Um, but I think something that fan graphs might not tap into, which it doesn't because it's advanced statistics, is the mental side of baseball. And it, it's, it really is a big part of the game. I think Spencer Torkinson got in his own head last year. I think he was just worried about that. And that's what I was going to bring up. I was, Brad, do you think if he can get out of his own head, if he can, like, do you think that was half the problem last year was just trying to hit too many home runs, especially when he said that he whiffed on so many right down the middle? I don't know if it was necessarily trying to hit too many, too, uh, trying to hit too many too home runs. It was just, he was trying to hit the ball too hard, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because uh, his average launch angle was 15 degrees. That's kind of like, that's a Goldilocks zone, but it's kind of inherent that he's trying to launch the ball, which is interesting considering he had a high ground ball rate. Uh, I think that if Torkelson can turn himself around a little bit, it'll be, I think one thing that war doesn't do is it doesn't accurately represent how many wins you can contri- can contribute to a team. Because like a you're like seven, say you're a seven win season, right? You're probably worth a lot more than just that. I think if Torkelson could put up a three or four war season, that's worth eight or nine wins for the Tigers. Yeah, no, I think, and I think he's one of those big pieces that they kind of. I'm not going to say have to, but it's one of those big. It's one of those big pieces that if he's going to do well, it's going to lead to their team's success, and. I, it's the Tigers, so what is their success? But it, it'll, you know, it'll just lead to a much better season, you know, just for the Tigers. Just show some sign of improvement, which would be huge. Mm. Um, but you know, now leading into, we picked three players, just three random players that we think you guys should know about heading into the twenty twenty three season. Brad, do you want to lead us off with your just random guy? Uh, give me one second. I'm having a nice sip of water. Uh, this episode is sponsored by water. Have a good sip of water. Yes. Water break. Um, the jug. All right. So I read an article today while I was at the gym, and I found it fascinating. The title of the article is Stephen Kwan, Geraldo Perdomo, and the Victor Robles Problem. Aiden, as a Nationals fan, yeah, Tom, please we... Please tell me. Um, <laughs> Victor Robles was a star-studded prospect. You know this. You've been waiting for it for years. Victor Robles, he showed signs of life in his 2017, 2018, like small sample size. He comes up and has a breakout 2019, a 92 weighted runs created plus, but a 3.5 war pretty much carried defensively, but that speed did play. And all he needed was to go in the right direction offensively and to become what you guys hoped he would be the star. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So instead of that, he posted a... Sub 70 weighted runs created plus for the next three seasons. So the author of this, Davey Andrews, he wanted to go in and understand, well, what does exit velocity and weighted runs created plus have to do with each other? So 
if when in his experiment he found that uh, for example if you had an 85 average exit velocity your weighted run created plus was better than league average only seven percent of the time that jumps to 90 percent where your average weighted runs created plus is 108 and 77 percent of the time it's better than league average if a player puts at least 300 balls in play as a rookie you can predict their future hard hit rate with a high degree of accuracy and the average player increases their hard hit rate by more than one percent only one percent after their rookie year their exception to this is vladimir guerrero jr who had a very good rookie year by rookie standards not necessarily what we wanted of him his 106 greater one greater plus then we saw what he did in 2021 the biggest predictor of future success is how hard players hit the ball i hinted i hinted at that a while ago but Here's where the study comes in. Stephen Kwan and Geraldo Perdomo, both rookies this year. Stephen Kwan is known for his elite contact, his low strikeout percentage, and his great defense. They were both high-helded prospects, just like Victor Robles, and they both had really low average exit velocities of 85.1 miles per hour. But here's the difference. Stephen Kwan hit the ball hard 20.8% of the time, and Geraldo Perdomo hit it hard 25.1% of the time. You would think a guy that hits the ball 5% or hits the ball harder 5% more would have a lot higher weighted runs created plus, right? Yeah. Well, his weighted runs created plus was 62 to Stephen Kwan's 124. So you have to figure out what the issue is here, right? Stephen Kwan had a higher non-hard hit rate exit velocity. So basically, when the ball wasn't hit 95 miles per hour plus, Stephen Kwan hit the ball harder on average. He hit it about, I'm blanking on where I put it. Um, I'll grab it in a second. Uh, 81.1 miles per hour on average. So this is between zero and 94.9 miles per hour. He hit it 81.1 miles per hour on average. Perdomo hit it 76 miles per hour on average. Uh, Victor Robles, for your reference, 75.3 miles per hour. Stephen Kwan led all of baseball in the 90 to 95 mile per hour hit range. So he hit the ball medium well a lot. And that's what you want. If you're not hitting the ball hard, you want to hit it medium medium hard. And it's a great way of putting it. Uh, medium hit balls, they have a WOBA of 269 though. But hard hit balls have a, a 649 WOBA. And so given Stephen Kwan, his ability to hit the ball medium hard, here's this list of comparisons. Max Muncie, Luisa Rise, Isak Paredes, Jorge Polanco, Cattell Marte. I think that's a pretty good group to be in. Uh, especially, I think if you can, like, what we've seen Cattell do, just, you know, Cattell being one of those guys. Well, if if Quan can be one of those guys for this young Guardians team, that's mm. huge. Yeah. I mean, that's all you really need him to be. Yeah, the only red flag of Stephen Quan, though, is that his uh, weighted, his WOBA based on contact, WOBACon, was 37, 37 points higher than his expected. So, logically there would be regression there uh negative regression that is but i think if he can play to this profile this type of ability is sustainable given given his speed like this is a guy that walks about 10 percent of the time and he walks more than he strikes out if you can maintain that you're going to be in the positive weight of runs created plus for a long time at least through his arbitration years and so do you think he makes that level? Do you think how do you think he levels up next season? Do you think he's um he's gonna upgrade the power or gonna slug for more? 
I think he's going to be very similar to this season. I think this is the type of player he is. But I think that's more reflected. I think the point of this was more reflecting on the exit velocity situation. You look, my point of Torkelson was that, oh, his exit velocities, they were really high. That normally leads to future success. The article went on to talk about rookies and their exit velocities versus veterans and their exit velocities and how that correlates and to see like from rookie to veteran if they could increase that much. And the answer is no. You normally get, unless you make a huge adjustment, you normally get a good grasp of what a player is as a rookie. And so that's why I think Stephen Kwan is going to stay as he is, given the style of baseball he plays. Either Geraldo Perdomo is going to have to make a huge adjustment or he won't be in the major leagues in three years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go next. Um, More of this is, you know, just somebody I think will, you know, come out this year. Mackenzie Gore. Uh, <laughs> Mackenzie Gore. He, um, he showed, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> he showed himself last year before getting injured on the Padres of what he has the capability to be. And that's a star in this league. He over his first nine outings of his major league career with San Diego, he went four and one with a one five ERA and a one point zero six three whip with fifty seven strikeouts across forty eight innings pitched, which is impressive. Um, my only I would say my only concern for getting him back to that would be the Washington staff. Um, it's it's a huge question mark at this moment, but. I just he has this stuff that I think even with a bad staff he can still be great. Um, looking at some of his stuff, he th- he mainly throws his fastball like that's his main pitch. He throws it about sixty one percent of the time, um, and his he has the most success throwing it high and inside. He, he hardly ever throws his fastball low. Um, a couple guys that you know the um, that Fangraphs has said that he kind of, based on, like, the velocity and the movement of him, kind of, you know, represents. Um, similar pitchers would be Blake Snell for 2022, Carlos Rodon in 2022. Again, this is if he can max out his potential, and if he maxes out his potential, he could be better. Um, yeah, but I just, he had, he's shown before, and this is, again, if he can stay healthy. Yeah, sorry, baseball savant, not fan graphs. Um <laughs> I hardly ever use these websites. Um, but this is again if he can stay healthy. I know Tom you you mentioned will he begin this season? I do believe he'll be he'll make the opening day roster healthy and he'll start pitching. They they were talking about starting him late last season, but the season was a wash. They wanted to be safe. He's a top prospect when healthy. Um so I I believe he'll He'll be on, you know, track for the, you know, starting up this season. All right. Uh, Brad, you got any questions for Aiden or you want to? Uh, um, you know. I want you to scroll down that baseball savant page a little <laughs> bit and go to his uh, vertical movement and horizontal movement first average and tell me about your uh, thoughts again. I sent the okay. screenshot in chat if you need to look oh, at okay, it. Okay, okay. Click to open. All right. We are, we are currently downloading this. I got it uh-huh. too. Hopefully I don't okay, download so his... my computer. His fastball vertical movement is good. It's slightly above average. Okay. His changeup, um, we don't got to talk about that. 
Um, same with his oh, slider. Yeah. Um, but his curveball. I mean, he's yes, he needs to work on he. He's a fastball main pitcher. Like that's all he really is. Is and if if he can if he can control and get just get the you know the movement and the um just everything for the change up in the uh, the change up in the slider, I, he'll be a better pitcher, which I think he can do. I think you got to realize this Washington team they don't have a pitching staff really. I mean it'll be him, um, Cade Cavalli. Those would be the bright spots you know to look out for. Um, and then, you know, you have somebody like Corbin. I, If he can just be what he was to begin the season, like to begin his career, it, he'll be fun to watch and he'll be an all-star one day. I think the issue, said, there's an issue here with Mackenzie Gore. It's that he's a fastball only pitcher. You want to look at someone he's very similar to is Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan of the Twins has a ridiculous fastball. I think if I'm mistaken, I'll pull this up so I'm not misquoting it. Uh, let's see. Pitch Arsenal. Yeah, here we go. Um, similar pitchers to Mackenzie Gore, just based on everything, I guess, would be Chris Archer, Ross Detweiler, Jose Ruiz, Nick Pavetta, Matt Barnes. That's some elite company right there. Yeah, that's, I mean. Joe honestly, Ryan. If you're a pitcher. His four-seam fastball was the ninth best pitch in baseball last year. Yeah. His yeah. fastball is ridiculous. But, 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 but. Every, but everything else is slacking. Exactly. Yeah. And, and he I doesn't think... have a slider. He doesn't yeah. have a curveball. And he doesn't have a changeup. And that's why he is ineffective as a pitcher. And I think Mackenzie Gore is going to be very similar to that. Well, I, I would say, I wouldn't say his, his curveballs, I mean, his his curveball would be his second best pitch, and it's not like a total disaster, right? I believe that based off that screenshot you sent, it's not a. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's. It's like out of the question, like you know, extremely bad. Yeah, but it's a almost completely vertical curveball, which some cases can be good, but it doesn't. That you would see that reflected in movement horizontally versus average. Yeah, I mean, people are hitting, I think, I mean, yeah, the 10 for 40, uh, you know, against the curveball. That fastball, like we have said, has proven to be elite, um, uh, up there with elite. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, do you think he can be, like, uh, like a, a star one day? I mean, I know with our pitching staff, it's a huge question mark, but. I think with the Washington Nationals, Mackenzie Gore will never be anything more than a three or four starter. What about what about next year? New staff. What are we looking at? Possibly. Okay, new staff as in new pitching staff, or yeah. as in new coaches. Like, ev- like I'm talking about like everything. Like next year, new ownership, new, new coaches. coaches. He's talking about new coaches. Okay, like, yeah, like a new I pitching coach with and... a correct pitching coach. He could be effective. It's just they need yeah. to change his grips and they need to increase his movement because without that. I don't see him generating much swings and misses, especially with the fact that alarming fact that he had a 12% walk rate this year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, if, if his fastball is not going, he's not going. The fastball is like the fastball is the beginning of the train. Like, you know, if he, if he can get that going, mm-hmm. everything else can hopefully follow behind. But if he can't get that fastball going, you know, I, I don't know. I'm excited to watch him this year just because of we know what he can be. 
um, especially, you know, like I've said multiple times, what we saw that he was in San Diego to begin, mm-hmm. like his first, like, five starts were extremely good. Um, so, you know, we just see. But, Tom, who's who's your guy? I want more of a safe bet here um, in Jazz Chisholm Jr. I, I feel like everyone has already cemented him as an all-star, like cemented him as that really good player. Um, but he really hasn't even played a whole season in the LB yet. So it's like he has the potential by the end of next season to be the best second baseman in baseball. I, I think he did very well has the potential to be the best second baseman of all of baseball. Uh, before he got he, before he got injured, he was on pace for an all-star appearance. Uh, I think we can all agree on that, right? Mm. You don't think? No, mm. I agree. Okay, I was about to, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this guy's electric. Um, I think his ceiling is crazy high. I don't know if his um, I don't know if his exit velocity is as good as other players, but he's a second baseman, so it's not like it's not that big of a deal for him. He's in the 94th percentile in sprint speed. That's right. I'm on baseball savant. Um, he's an elite defender. I think he's going to win the Gold Glove next season. Um, I think him moving over from shortstop was the best move the Marlins could have made because he had a negative nine outs above average at shortstop last year, or at, uh, in 2021. Sorry, he didn't play. He didn't play there in 2022. Um, but when he moved over to second base, you you saw an immediate leap in his fielding ability. So it's just – I'm going to click the – oh, my God. Sorry, I clicked the link that Brad sent. In the, in, okay, anyways. It said you like jazz. <laughs> you can put that image on the thing as soon as I say that. Um, but, no, I think Jazz Chisholm at second base is an elite defender. He's got elite sprint speed. And we saw last year he's got these – he's got these um, random – He's got these random jolts of power too. Uh, in his last month before he got injured, he hit seven home runs that month. Um, obviously, seven home runs in a season is not crazy, but seven home runs in a month is is pretty impressive, especially for a second baseman. I think if you get a full season out of Jazz, you're looking at a potential 30-30 season, a gold glove. I don't think he's going to be in the MVP conversation, but I think if you get a full season from him, he's going to be electric and he's going to be solidifying himself as the best second baseman in baseball. Aiden, look at me funny. Aiden, <laughs> all right, Brad. Aiden hand. Okay. Um, obviously he did well against fast, like faster pitches last season. Um, you think he's going to be better than like a Jose Altuve? Um, it, well, it, that depends if you um weigh in the other things. I don't think Jose Altuve is going to steal you even fifteen bases next year. I don't think he's going to be elite in the field. Jose Altuve had like the fourth best slugging in baseball last year as a second baseman, which is just bizarre to me. He's, he's actually crazy. Um, and he just seems to be getting better. So I, I don't know. It's going to be tough to battle against Jose Altuve, but then again, I don't know how you weigh in the completeness of a baseball player. Obviously Jose Altuve is a much better hitter at the moment, but jazz Chisholm is just complete as a second baseman. So I don't know how you'd weigh that in, but I think right now Jose Altuve is still the better second baseman. He just has to prove it. Also uh, Andres Jimenez. Yeah, that's also another one. Who's also got a fairly similar type, uh, fast gold glove defense, but less pop, mm. um, but more consistency. So you're looking at a, a lot of second basemen. This, this league is pretty second baseman high. I, I feel like you're also forgetting Ozzy Albies, who was the best second baseman in baseball for probably three years or two years in a row. Um, the second base um, market, not the market, but the second basemen in this league are, are pretty good. But So it's going to be hard. Yeah, I agree. I think that he's going to be solid. He will be good. I don't know how much past last year he goes. And obviously, last year in the sample size we had was very good. 
860 right, OPS. Yeah. Do you think he can maintain that for an entire season? Um, he has shown these flashes of of inconsistency and, and really good play. Um, so I think I think I think those counting stats will definitely will definitely uh still count over. I think he's gonna hit a lot of doubles, gonna hit a lot of home runs, but I think in the month that his batting average dropped significantly, his home runs went up significantly. So I don't know if he's looking at a different approach at the plate or if he just got more lucky with, with the home runs, but um, I guess it's all about his approach at the plate because the months that he batted higher batting average, he had less home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, so he might have been swinging less hard. I don't know. But um, if he can kind of find a zone that, that, that fits both contact and power, I think he's, he's looking to be one of the better ones in the league because no, you don't I- need to hit seven home runs a month. You know, I mean, that'd be fun. That'd be really cool, though. Yeah, I'd I'd like jazz. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So I know you mentioned that you possibly had a fourth guy. Was it anything significant you wanted to talk about? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just it was a biased opinion. It's Camilo Duvall, who has already broken out and is one of the best relievers. Yes, yes, I think he's electric. I think the only thing. And it is it is a very significant thing is the control issue. I I mean obviously when you have a flamethrower with high break high velocity, he's gonna have some control issues. Um, out in San Francisco they got really good pitching staff, really good pitching coaches. So I think I think that will be something that they're working on in the off season as well. Um, I, I think Duvall is just electric. I think he's gonna be our guy for the next couple of years. I hope we can get him back and he doesn't leave. Um, I hope God please Giants if you're watching. No, I, I we just need to. Just need to get some players. Um, but I think if we can have a lead to hold on to, I think Camilo Duvall is the guy I would want to come in, especially over a guy like Taylor Rogers or Tyler Rogers or Jake McGee, who literally had me shaking in my chair. I was just I was so scared. I think I'm a little more comfortable watching Camilo Duvall on the mound. So it's 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 I, I like him. No, uh, that's I think I don't like him. I'm a Dodgers <laughs> fan, but um he's good. He's a solid baseball player. Like I would like to have him on my team. And like, this is just a guy you should know more about, right? Not just like your breakout or. Yeah, I I think, I think, yeah, it's just someone I want to know more of. Cause I mean, you can't get much better than this, what you're getting out of Camilo Duvall other than volume now. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's going to get more save opportunities now that the bullpen's kind of folded on him. (laughs) So it's, it's mostly Camilo Duvall now. Mm-hmm. Like he's, the, he's the one guy who's remained consistent throughout all this. Um, yeah. You know, maybe he can show the other guys how to how to pitch too. But you know, it, it's gonna be good. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a good season for him coming up. And then Aiden, did you have any final thoughts? No, uh, no, I. What? No, I've no, no, I, sorry, <laughs> I, I, no. I just got back. Sorry, no, I just thought. Sorry, we had, we had a situation outside my house, but no, we're uh. good. All right. So obviously, like this is like a little taste of where you're going to get a lot leading up to the season. We're going to be going through rookies on each team. We're going to be starting to go through our rankings sooner rather than later through every position. We'll start to do our team projections where they stand, what we think about the seasons. And obviously your favorite, your most reliable, our standings, predictions and MVPs. Thank you for listening to the 4A podcast. We will be back on Friday. If you want to listen to us or interact with us, or make contact with us in any way. We're back on YouTube with some short videos. Be sure to join us on Twitter or TikTok and let us know your thoughts. If you've enjoyed, please leave a rating and a review or if you have any suggestions. We will see you all next time on the 4A Baseball Podcast. Peace. Woo!